This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back. Listening to Militantly Mixed. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine, the busiest mixed race, bisexual, polyamorous, atheist, comic book nerd, cat mom, podcaster in this podcasting game. Let's see, what is this? Week three or week four of the quarantine? I actually am officially on quarantine. The school that I work at is on spring break. So while I am deemed a, quote, essential worker, unquote, I am actually only going to be working part time over the next two weeks. Which financially sucks because I'm not going to be able to afford my rent, but health-wise and stress-wise, I think probably um, it's, it's a good chance to, uh, to be home and rest, I guess. I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about it. Uh, it is a little bit scary being out there in the world when everybody else is shut down and you, you kind of wonder every time you see a person, if like in The Walking Dead, you should be more afraid of the humans that you encounter than the virus itself. But, um, you know, at this point, I'm the last one in my household that is working. So to now not be working is extremely stressful. So I'm with y'all. I know it's a stressful time and it is, gosh, just trying to figure out how to manage the stress right now while also trying to stay healthy is a rough time. So for those of you that are struggling with the isolation aspect of it, I do hope you consider jumping on to our social distancing virtual hangouts that we're doing on Sundays. Uh, This week was a huge week. We went from about three to four people participating over the last couple weeks to nine people participating this last week. It is, I don't know, I like kind of overwhelming and exciting to see this many people participate. And, you know, maybe it takes a couple weeks of isolation and or hearing that we're doing this for people to participate. But I'm so excited to, to have that many mixed faces on my screen on Sundays when we chat. So if you are dealing with the isolation, if you're struggling with the isolation aspect of the quarantine, please consider jumping on. It's on Sundays every week, through, at least throughout the quarantine. Hopefully we can keep it up after the fact. But, um, you know, depending on what my work schedule will be when life goes back to normal, Right now, we are doing it at 10 a.m. Pacific time in the U.S., which is 1 p.m. Eastern time in the U.S., 5 p.m. GMT in the U.K., and 8 p.m. Ethiopian Standard Time. So we try to have a broad enough reach so that we can hit all, you know, a big portion of the planet of the people who are regular listeners. So I hope that time is flexible and good for, for y'all who want to participate. If um, if you're in that zone between Africa and Asia and you're not, there's not a good time in Australia, I guess, as well, included in that, um, and, but you want to participate, let me know and I will try to do one at a later time of the day so that we can also 
catch folks on that side of the, the planet as well. But yeah, like I said, we had nine people in this last week. It was amazing. Conversation still managed to flow. We did mute people when people weren't talking and things like that to kind of manage sound and everything. But for the most part, I think it flowed pretty well. I think it was really helpful and healing for some folks that participated, especially those that continue to live in isolation in their mixedness, getting a chance to interact with people of different age groups and ethnicity mixes and cultural mixes and realizing how much crossover we still have despite those differences. you could see the effect on, on the people that are participating. So uh, thank you to everybody who did participate this last week. I'm just so grateful and overwhelmed that you guys took the risk, that y'all took the risk to jump on. And I, I don't really feel like it is a risk, but I do know in, in approaching a new social situation, it feels like a risk of, you know, will I fit in? Will there be rejection? But so far in every aspect of Militantly Mixed, I have not felt or seen moments like that. It has also always been welcoming. And I think um, I think we had a really good group this week. So hopefully everybody comes back next week or we get a couple of new folks, but they've been really amazing. I'm really appreciative of it. Uh, I don't want to talk too long today. I do have a ton of things to report, but I don't want to talk too long today because My interview this week actually did go pretty long. That is partially probably to do with coronavirus keeping us in isolation and we're feeling like we have no time constraints, but um, also it's just really the flow of the conversation with my guests this week. We did have a little bit of audio problems. There was a couple times that Zoom was trying to either kick us out or just the quality was getting to be rough. So there's a couple patches where you have some clicks and pops. I tried to clean up what I could, but where I couldn't, I did leave it in because I didn't want to just cut an entire interview for a couple of bad patches. Uh, but the the majority of the episode isn't like that. There's just a couple little places. So when you hear it, that's what's happening. This is so stupid. So last week when I did my intro, I mentioned having a... I guess I challenged the audience to call in either to our Skype voicemail, which is 323-545-6001 in the U.S., or to send me a voice memo from your phone to my email, Charmaine at militantlymix.com, S as in Sam, H-A-R, M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, E, at militantlymix.com, and answer the question that I ask every guest at the end of every episode, what do you love most about being mixed? And I ask this question of every guest because it is something that I feel is just like a wonderful way to end every episode and an insight into the individual guest. And I want to kind of expand that. I want to get to a point where I could maybe include one or two during every episode or from time to time, just kind of drop an interstitial that has a bunch of them or whatever. So I put out the challenge to the audience to, to call in and leave me those voicemails. And then I realized, I mean, I guess I didn't realize, I didn't realize in, in my recording and I didn't realize in editing that I failed to mention that there was a giveaway <laughs> associated with it. And so it took me until the very next day to realize that I had failed to mention a giveaway aspect of it. So I took to Instagram and I made a video from the parking lot at work to let everybody know that I was actually going to be giving away one Militantly Mixed enamel pin, logo pin, to a random person who submitted a clip. I failed to mention that on last week's episode, so perhaps that is a reason why some of y'all didn't participate. I did get one person to participate. Shout out to Josie. She sent me a voicemail in 
I think that day or the first the first day or two of the challenge, but I I just I feel like it's a fail on my part that I didn't mention it was a giveaway. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna extend it to April 10th. So between now and April 10th, everybody or between last week, I guess, and April 10th, everybody who submits either a voicemail or a voice memo answering the question, what do you love most about being mixed? will be entered to win the enamel pin. But for the first 10 people who participate, I will send you a militantly mixed button. So not the enamel pin, but the mini button. It's about a one inch button. Very cute. I have them in white and in black, but I just got a new shipment of white ones. So I will offer up a white mini button. The first 10 people who send in a voicemail or a voice memo. When you send in your memos, your voicemails, please make sure you leave your contact information and your shipping address so I know where to send it to you and a way to contact you to let you know that you've won if you've won. Of course, I'm going to cut that out when I play it on. You don't have to worry about that. Your private information will stay with me, but your message will go on the show. You're specific the portion that where you're talking about what you love most about being mixed. So April 10th will be the last day that I'll receive the messages for the giveaway. But you can continue to send on messages after that because I will always be willing and ready to include them in an episode uh, should we have them. So between now and April 10th, send me your messages. After April 10th, I will gather all the names up into a hat and pull one at random and send you an enamel pin. And for everybody else, up to 10 people, I will send out a mini button, a one-inch button. So hopefully that gives you all the incentive to participate. I cannot wait to hear some of these messages. I was so thrilled to see Josie's messages come in the other day. And then I thought I had a second one, but it turned out that for some reason, the city of Glendale sends me voicemails on Skype about once a week. And that was the other one. So, so far, only one but it's a dope one and it actually increases Josie's chances. So if y'all don't participate, Josie's definitely going to get an enamel pin. <laughs> but if you do, then you would all have a chance to win at that. For those of you who have messaged me saying, I just want to buy one of those, the an Etsy store is still up and running. So you can either, if you're on Instagram, you can go to the link tree in the bio and click on the link to the Militantly Mixed store, or you can just go to Etsy, E-T-S-Y dot com, and then search in the search bar for Militantly Mixed Shop, and you'll see the shop. That's where the vinyl stickers, the enamel pins, the mini buttons are all for sale. Or if you want a t-shirt or a tote bag or mug, you can go to teespring.com and search for Militantly Mixed store there to pick up the uh, t-shirts and, and things. So I still got both of those stores open and available to you. So if you do just want to purchase one outright, that's where you can go and do that. And of course, all the proceeds for any of the swag that gets sold um, goes back into the show. And especially now, more than, well, I don't want to say more than ever because I did have that patch of time last uh, summer where I was unemployed. But um, especially now during the time of coronavirus, the more that gets purchases, the purchase, the longer I can keep the show going. Um, because if I do face unemployment again, it'll be it'll be hard to do that. Um Patreon is still up and available, although I know it's a weird time to be asking people for support that way as well. But if you are interested, you can still go to patreon.com slash mix and sponsor the show that way or um, paypal.me slash mix and sponsor the show that way. Let's see. So uh, if you're not already following us on social media, you got a bunch of different avenues to follow the show. You can go to Twitter, Instagram or Facebook at Mix and join and follow us that way. 
We also have the private discussion group on uh, Facebook, which is facebook.com slash groups slash militantly mixed podcast. To be included in that group, you only have to answer one question and then it'll ask me to approve you. And then you can participate in the group conversations. And mind you, those that is a private group so that the people who are following you on Facebook won't necessarily have access to what you post on the militantly mixed group unless they are also a member of the militantly mixed group. We do have some some great prompts that get posted from time to time from our moderator, Jonathan Davis, and also some of our listeners have posted things recently, um, which is just a great opportunity to kind of share what your experiences are, get help where you need help and, and things like that. So please consider joining that group to stay connected. And then, of course, that is also how you gain access to the event listing with the link to the social distancing virtual hangouts that we've been doing on Sundays. You can get the link that way or check the show notes so that you can get the link as well, because I will post it in today's show notes for next week. Is that everything? I think that's probably everything. Uh, oh, no, one last thing. So it, it occurred to me during one of the social distancing virtual hangouts recently is that I was looking for a name to call the listeners of Militantly Mixed. Some fandom groups have their own, you know, fan names, you know, like the like the Beehive for Beyonce or what or whatnot. Um, I've been wanting to kind of figure out a name for us for the last couple of years. I like alliteration, so I was looking for maybe like Militantly Mixed Militia or something like that, but that sounds too crazy. Um, and I couldn't quite put my finger on what to call us. And then during the social media gathering, the social distancing gathering, I refer to everybody as my cousins on the group, which is what I do to my guests at the end of, of our discussions. I'm, I usually say something to the effect of, you know, now you have a cousin, a mixed race cousin in me. So if you ever need me, reach out to me, whatever. And, and I do mean that. And there's a lot of people now that I kind of consider an extension of my mixed race family in the form of cousins. So that seems appropriate. That seems like the best name for the listeners of this show. So if you're listening to this show, if you're a participant in some way, shape or form as a guest or a listener or a person in the social groups on Facebook, whatnot, you are one of the cousins. So unless y'all come up with a better name, that's what I'm sticking to for now. And without further ado, if you would not mind, please help me in welcoming our latest cousin to the Militantly Mixed family, Laura Lee. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely hate doing that. But I'm so excited to be back at it and get to talk with you because so far we've only talked in group settings. But my guest today is Laura Lee, and she's been a participant in some of our group chats lately, And but we haven't had a chance to talk solo, so I'm so glad to welcome you to the show. 
I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. I can't wait to get to this conversation. Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and let everybody know? Sure. Um, My name is Laura Lee. Um, I'm a teacher and a mom and a sometimes singer and an aspiring writer. A sometimes singer. Yeah, sometimes singer. And um, I am a biracial black uh, cisgendered female. (laughs) So that's that's interesting. You said biracial black, Mm -hmm. but you didn't say the other bit. Oh, <laughs> yeah. My, uh, yeah. So my mom's black. Um, my dad is, uh, Jewish by heritage. He's since converted, but he's yeah. Jewish by heritage. So, okay. um, yeah. So people, when they ask that question, you know, and they go, what are you? Um, I say I'm a Nebrew. Nebrew! It's my favorite thing! <laughs> so I've talked to you about this, but I love all these combo names that we've come up for ourselves. And I have a little list going. I'm staring at I'm staring at Filiblino right now because it's still sitting on my pad from when we were talking the other day with uh, another person who's going to be a guest on the show in a, in a couple of weeks. But Nebrew, I have not heard yet. I usually hear bluish. So I'm right. so stoked that you have Nebrew. That makes me Yeah. Sense. Yeah. There's <laughs> that scene from like, I think it was like the first episode of The Office, you know, where he's looking at the, the black card, the Jewish card, and he says, oh, it's the Olympics of suffering. <laughs> so. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I used to tell people that too. It's the Olympics of suffering. That's funny. So you said your dad is of Jewish heritage. Does he mm-hmm. get to claim it because his mother was Both Jewish? his parents. Both his parents were Jewish. Both his parents. He oh, gets yeah. to claim it, but you don't technically get to claim Judaism Jewish? Is that how that works? I don't, I don't really know, honestly, how that works. <laughs> if I'm, if I'm totally honest, um, <laughs> it's never really come up like okay. that. I do know, I will say like my younger brother, he, when he was born, had a bris. <laughs> so if you don't Ooh. know what a bris is, yeah, it's this, <laughs> you know, the Jewish religious ceremony where they remove the child's foreskin at eight days old. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I'm two years older than him. So I'm a toddler. And I remember that being at my folks house <laughs> like, right um I, you know I, I think I don't even have really memories from it I think what I'm remembering is like the home video that I watched right. you know years later going oh this happened at my, at my house, house right cool, there cool, cool. I gotta walk over there <laughs> <laughs> um so and I know that he has because at the bris, again, I don't really know how this works, but this is just what I remember. At the bris, he was given a Hebrew name as well. So he okay. has, you know, his quote unquote, his Christian name, and then he has this Hebrew name. Um, but no, like, I, you know, I didn't have to claim like Judaism on my FAFSA or anything. It always one of those things because I've had a few guests that have had been mixed with Jewish and it's a, like a mixed bag of whether they say I get to be Jewish because my mother was Jewish or I don't get to be Jewish because my dad was Jewish. And it's such a weird concept because nobody else's ethnicity is determined on whether or not you're allowed to practice the religion or not. Like, yeah, Judaism is, it's, it's a combination of like heritage plus religion. Right. And there's, you know, there's, there's few sort of religions that are like that. Um, but no, yeah, it's never, it's kind of a moot point because, you know, it never really came up and my dad wasn't really practicing, um, anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those, one of those things. 
So, um, so you're a Nibiru and you grew up in <laughs> Long Island. I did grow up on Long Island. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, we, and then, we, you know, the time, you know, we talked about accent a couple, whatever that was. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, my accent has diluted so much from when I, oh my gosh, when I was a child, I mean, I'm pretty sure that I sounded like one of the gaudy children. (laughs) It was so strong. It was so strong. Even now though, you know, there's words that I like, I just can't say correctly. Mm -hmm. Like, um, my, you know, my husband makes fun of me for saying embarrassed the way that I say embarrassed. Embarrassed. Yeah, I heard it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, coffee and sausage. Those those words are always going to come out that way. You know, I I can't, I just, I physically can't can't do it. I cannot do it. Somebody was like, no, you have to say sausage. I was like, oh, that doesn't make no sense. (laughs) Even the way you accentuated it is hilarious. (laughs) Like I have that too, because both of my grandmothers have accent, non-American accents. I have an ear for accents. So if I talk to you long enough, I'm going to absorb your accent. So I'm going to be one of those assholes that turns around and starts mimicking you, but I don't know that I'm doing it. Yeah. yeah, It happened so many times in the worst possible moments. Like I was at my great uncle's 50th wedding anniversary party and I was talking to an Irish friend of theirs. And then partway through, he goes, are you making fun of me? And And I was like, what? And my cousin from across the way yells at me, you're doing Irish. And I was like, what? I had no idea that I had just flipped into Irish just because I was listening to him. Mind you, I can't just get into an accent easily. I have to mm. hear it. But if I talk to my my father-in-law, I talk, I speak Texan for a while after. And then I lived in Texas for a while, so I can't stop saying y'all, which I know people ask me a lot if I'm from Texas because I say y'all all the time. And oh, I, can't. I mean, you have to say y'all where I live now because I live in the South. It's, like, it's so concise. It, like, it's perfectly fine to say. Because there is no word in the English language for the plural you. Yeah. And y'all I don't want to say perfect. you all or all of you. Correct. Like, y'all, it's fine. Yeah, and I no, can say great. y'all in like the West Coast black way, or I can say y'all in the Texas way. It just depends on what accent is coming out in the moment. Yeah, exactly. It's concise. I enjoy it. So I'm not. No, it's that. great. Yeah. yeah <laughs> the plural of you is y'all. <laughs> so you're, you're living in central Florida right now. So you, it is kind of like that part of Florida is kind of like, like the southern side, yeah, the southern I, part of Florida, not the Florida is very weird because <laughs> I no, it is because I think when people think of Florida, they either think of like Miami or Disney World, right? They don't think of my my experience of Florida, which is um, rural for the most part, mm-hmm. extraordinarily southern. I mean, we're talking, especially when I first moved here, so that was. Uh, God, 20 years ago now, um, like lifted trucks, Confederate flags, mm. mossy oak camo as like formal Wedding wear. attire? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I knew exactly where you were going with it. Yes. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Dip in the mouth. I mean, I went to high school, oh God, with this kid and he was carrying around a water bottle, which is very common here because it's hot, carrying around a water bottle and it had dip spit whatever yeah. that's called in the I mean all day long he's like dipping in high school yeah and this was not you know this isn't 1955 yeah <laughs> 2003 you know it, yeah so that's that's the Florida that I know mm-hmm. um so yeah I think being northern and then coming here was a very 
big deal just culturally, like for me and for my family, like my younger brother has since moved back to New York. He was like, and he'll say, I don't know how, (laughs) I don't know how you're still there. (laughs) Yeah. Why did you stay? Do you know? I I stayed because I got married Ah. (laughs) and I had a kid. I put down some roots, but mostly because it's cheaper to live here. Mm -hmm. And I do, I like the pace here. I mean, it is slower. And initially when I first moved here, I was like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. oh, please, please stop (laughs) trying to have a conversation with me at the Publix. Like, I just want to get my sweet tea and leave. I don't want to have a chat about it. Let's just move it. Um, And it still kind of annoys me now, but I think I've just grown accustomed to it. I, I, because when I go visit my brother in, in Brooklyn, it's so fast. It's Mm -hmm. so, I'm exhausted after like three (laughs) hours. I can't do it. (laughs) I can't do it, but you know, we might not stay here forever. Um, you know, my, I have another brother who lives in Atlanta and even Atlanta, it's like, it's, it's the, it's the New York of the South, I think, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I'm saying? It's definitely, it's more diverse. It's very, you know, cosmopolitan in a lot of areas now, especially. And so we're thinking about possibly going. That one's on our list too. We, we move about every five years. It's just been happenstance, but now it's like, we're used to it. So we did five years in California, then five years in Texas, then five years in Massachusetts. And then we're about to hit five years in California again, and probably ready to move back. Well, I'm doing something. I got something cooking that was moving me to Houston for a period of time. But now that this is coronavirus USA, I have no idea if I'm going to be able to do the thing that I was cooking up to do. Mm. Like, what's the world going to be like next year? So if that's not it, then maybe Atlanta. I don't know. Just time to leave California again, I guess. Yeah. Honestly, like, what's the world going to be like tomorrow? Things are changing so quickly. It's wild. It's so wild. And I'm trying to figure out, like, how to, like, I thought, honestly, I thought, well, you know, I'm not going to be working, so I'll be podcasting all the time. I'll get my bank back up and stuff. But I've still been working during the day um, because I am an essential worker at that job. I've lost my other two um, setups, so... I don't know. Maybe they'll kick us out because we can't pay rent or maybe they won't. I have no idea. Yeah. Who knows? Think about it. Yeah. Maybe I'll end up at my in-laws in Oklahoma or something. I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. I get that. Yeah. So who knows what's going to happen, but that's not what we're talking about. Oh gosh. I hope this, I hope my, the rest of my show for the rest of the year is a a coronavirus related mixed thing, but Might be our reality. Because, like, it's like we can't even talk about how we're maneuvering the world right now because we're straight up stuck in our houses and everything. No, we were just saying, like, I went outside today for the first time in five days. Like, it was like, you know, you know what I mean? And it felt so strange. Felt like the purge. If I didn't have to go to work right now, I think I would weather it just fine because I tend to be a homebody kind of person anyway or whatever. Um, I, I pretty much go to the movies or I go to the beach or I stay at home. Like that's the only things I ever do. But right now I'm in this tiny one bedroom apartment and my friend was staying with me for a few weeks until she got her job and could move out and then coronavirus. Um, so she, <laughs> she's sleeping in the living room. We're, you know, we got our little one bedroom. We're just trying to make it work. And there's too many 
people in such a small space. Like, yeah. there's just too many people. And we got the, we got our cats too. So the personalities, there's personalities all over Ooh. this department. Yes. Um, no, I, I totally get it. Like I'm an extrovert who likes to read. So, you know, I like my alone time, but this mm-hmm. is like too much. Like I cracked too much the alone other time. day and Did I was you? like laughing hysterically and then crying and then laughing oh, no. hysterically again for oh, no, no reason. For no oh, reason. No. For no reason other than I was like, I think I need to go outside. That's funny. I'm actually being more social now, which is starting to become irritating. Not in a (laughs) terrible, bad way, but just in a way of like, too many people are coming out of the woodwork out of nowhere to just be like, thinking of you. And I'm like, but you weren't thinking of me two weeks ago or two months ago or two years ago. Mm. Why now? So I'm not being met with with the question if not for the coronavirus, if not for quarantine, would you be reaching out to me right now? Because I'm not being a dick. It's just how I talk. Like, I'm just very direct. No, I I think that's a legitimate question. I mean, that's a legitimate question. And then I get met back with rude. And I'm like, well, I'm not trying to be rude, but I'm trying to be serious. Like, is Facebook sufficient amount of contact for us so that you don't have to reach out to me? Or is it just like now you're taking stock and you're like, oh, I'm a terrible friend. Like I need to understand what is happening for these people. Cause I or don't want bored, just word, you know, when you're, you know, this, listen, I, I can say this because I may have done it once or a lot of times in my life. I, you know, <laughs> You kind of get like that kind of bored melancholy and you Mm -hmm. send out that kind of hey text to like five people just so you can get one back. Right. Do you know what I mean? Just so I can feel the ping of like, oh, somebody cares about me. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Like, was it, was it that? Was it that? Because that's what I feel like. To respond and be like, oh, I was thinking about you too, sis. Like, stop. Yes, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know what you're doing. So That's we can it. just stop pretending. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you're on my every two months list, <laughs> then I'm also on your every two months list. Right. Um, but if you're on my every day or every week list, you know that too, because I'm as consistent as you are. And if you're on my, we're just been Facebook friends for so long, we don't even know if we ever had anything in common left. Then we can keep it there. <laughs> Right. We could keep it there. It's fine. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's showing me things. I thought I was going to be like that champion introvert friend that was going to help my extrovert friends through it. And now I'm just like, all right, extroverts, you got to work it out. <laughs> I can't keep doing Honestly, it. Honestly, like ping pong. I don't know what to so, tell you. I don't. You want to do a guitar, <laughs> learn a language. I want everybody coming out of quarantine speaking a language they didn't speak when they went into quarantine. There's Duolingo, there's Rosetta Stone. But you know, I really, I really thought I was going to be so productive because I, I have all this time. Yeah. I have all this head space. No, I can't do nothing. Cause your head is full of like, what is the world going to be like? In yeah. Minutes? I think um, it's the word. It's like this, like low level stress, mm-hmm. this low grade kind of anxiety. I have deal with anxiety anyway. So it's mm-hmm. just this constant low grade anxiety. And it's just like, kind of paralyzed me into just yeah. like being catatonic in the bed. <laughs> I think I binge watched New Girl again the entire series like (laughs) in like three days. (laughs) I have nothing to do and I just need to shut my brain off for a minute. Right. I've even watched some reality TV that I 100% would not have watched if not. Oh, you told me. Oh, you told me. Yes. I would not have done it had this not been the case. Um, But yeah, that's, I guess that's what life is. So the way that I think we're mixing it up the most is we've been doing those social distance virtual hangouts, uh, which I think have been dope. Like I've been so appreciative that we've been, we've been doing that. Um, 
because it's, you know, I wouldn't have gotten a chance to talk to you probably yet. I mean, it may have happened at some point throughout the, throughout the course of, you don't know? No, no. Cause I told you like in the first hangout, I was like, okay, well, I told you that I'm a new ish kind of listener to the show. I kind of just discovered it maybe two, three months ago mm-hmm. and I was binging it in the car, on the way to work, on the way home from work, when I was in the shower and I was like binging it. I still haven't gotten through all of them. So forgive Mm -hmm. me because I I started from the beginning. I like, I don't like to go backwards. I like to go, you know what I'm saying? Cause sometimes there's references to stuff that's happened before. And I go, so you're, you're, you're hearing me go from like, I don't know how other mixed people are to, Oh, I'm starting to get it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So like, yes, I'm about two thirds kind of through right now and I'm still, and then, you know, of course, you know, I haven't been driving. So right. So when you announced the hangout, I was like, assumed there would be a bunch of people in there. So I'm like, I'm just going to pop in. I'm going to turn my mic off. Yeah, you had your my, camera off and everything. I'm going to turn my camera off. I'm, not, I'm just going to listen because I was so curious. And it was you and um, Mona Lisa. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> he called me out my whole name. Laura, Marley, are you there? It's like, oh, okay. So well, in my bedroom, I had bad like serial killer lighting. Like, really I mean, bad. I have look at what I like. I have this little teeny tiny little light ahead of me, and I keep changing the color so I don't look too blown out and stuff like that. Like, I, I but it was a really good experience. Like, I it was really really enjoyable. It was I'm, really. Good. I'm glad you participated. I mean, honestly, like I've been trying to get this going before, and um, same type of thing. It's like people are interested, but either the time doesn't work or whatever. And it was on a whim too. I didn't have it planned in advance. So I was honestly just excited that it was more than one person at all. (laughs) But I always set my expectations really low so that I don't get disappointed. Um, So when it ended up being four of us by the end of it, I was just like, wow, I can't believe it. To me, that was a damn swarm of people, like batting people away. Like it's I can't believe four of you showed up. No, um, it was really good. It was really, really good. Well, because like you, like, you know, I think just as like a function of my upbringing and um, the people that I know, it's it, 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 when I do meet another mixed person, I'm like, oh, yes. tell me everything about your life. Yeah. <laughs> tell you me just wish you could like, like absorb each other's info, yes. like really download it really quickly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's part of the reason I started listening to the show. It's definitely part of the reason why I keep listening to the show. So that's why I wanted to pop in because I was curious to see, mm-hmm. you know, everybody no, else. And, you know, the four of us that were in there, it's like we all have such, I think, weirdly similar but also wildly different experiences yeah. just this is crazy it's crazy i know that's what's that's what's been so nuts about this like i think it took until i've got to be like a year in or maybe like a yeah about a year in where i was like i wonder if it's possible that at this point on earth i'm the person who's spoken to the most mixed people you know because like there weren't a lot of mixed race podcasts before me. There are some more now. Um, but like, where was this time where people just got to like be around mixed folks and, you know, or something like that. And, um, I was just like, well, if that's going to be my thing, then I'm going to try to speak to the most mixed people that I possibly can. Uh, I learned so much doing it. I mean, you and I actually, over the course of some of these conversations, you and I, I have, we had some points that we were curious about each other for, cause you have black mom, white dad, and I have black dad that acts white and Japanese mom that acts black. <laughs> and the white is just not even a factor because both of them are half white, but it didn't really yeah, come to me that way. Um, so this idea of like having our black parent 
be try to find our blackness through a black parent who essentially is trying to deblackify. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is definitely one thing that we like we have in common. And, you know, even now, well, I, you know, one of the things I was thinking about was um, because of course we had had the hair conversation. And I think one of the things that I always think about is like, I, because um, I, I, I feel like I was left out of a lot of like important black culture from, you know, my upbringing, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I was thinking about like, for example, like the music that I listen to. Um, I want, do you watch on YouTube, um, the Terrell show, Terrell? Mm-mm. He's wonderful. I love music. So he's wonderful. And a lot of his guests all have like these, they, he does a song association. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of his guests, they, they pick the same kind of songs by Brandy, by Monica, you know, from, from the nineties, this time that I should have known this stuff. Oh, and you did. And I don't, I have no, no interaction to it whatsoever. And like a lot of the, that kind of stuff that I like now, I only came to it like in college. So Mm. we're talking about like the mid two thousands, like way after it was popular. Right. Right. And I came at it in, in a more like academic kind of intellectual way. You know what I'm saying? Right. I, was like, I need to know this because I need to know about like, the, right, right. Like I need to study about the culture so that I have something to say, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't, it's not, it, it I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't raised with it. I guess I kind of have that with the white stuff because I'm, I'm on this group on Facebook and uh, it's a predominantly like black, an industry group. And we were chit-chatting and someone posted something about, here's a list of 10 white people that I would want to survive coronavirus. And then I couldn't really identify almost most of the names. You know, like, yeah. I think there were maybe three people who I identified, but like whether or not I knew much about them beyond their name, like they're famous white people, but like not famous to me. Because yeah. my upbringing was such that, like, whiteness, yeah, like, it was on TV and in music, but I couldn't name songs from some of the major white artists. I would know the art, the artist, but not the art, you know? Yeah. Or I'd recognize the song, but I couldn't tell you which band or whatever the fuck <laughs> played it, you know? And so some people would be like, you don't know. Like, I basically had to take my husband's word for it because Kenny Rogers died and I told him, hey, Kenny Rogers died. And he says, I guess he knew when to fold them. And I just had to take <laughs> his word for it that that song was his song because I oh. knew that song, but I didn't know that it was Kenny Rogers. Yeah, see, and I'm the exact opposite. It's like, listen, I hope the, the militantly mixed fans don't come after me, but like, I can probably only name like three Beyonce songs. Like, I, I mean, like her as a fair. person. You know what I'm saying? But like, I just, it's just not... It's right. You know what I'm saying? I'm you know, sure a lot we of, like, have members of the Beehive on this, but I, even I, like, I, I, I know Beyonce music. I, I've heard it, but I don't actively consume it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I don't. It's not. I don't. I don't dislike her, but it's just. No. It's sort of outside of my orbit. And um, you know, since you know we're talking about coronavirus, like the DJ D Nice, mm-hmm. he had done these you know these Instagram, Instagram live parties. parties, and so I was like, let me just dip in here and see what all this is about. And I think I knew like 
every fourth song. Oh, <laughs> you know? really? It's like, oh my gosh, I was shazamming all of them. I was like, I really like this song. And I was like, oh, it was released in 1983 and everybody knows it. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's it's like amazing. this huge hit. People in the comments are like, you know, with the That's lyrics and stuff. And I'm yeah. like, I don't, I like it. It's really nice. And then he played Prince song and I was like, I know that one. I, I get that reference. I know that one. So, okay. No, that makes sense. I, it's just, it's so, this is why, like we were talking off air, uh, we were talking about how this journey, the militantly mixed journey for me is me discovering not all mixed people are the same and that we don't all have the same upbringing. And that I start off the show kind of making assumptions, natural assumptions and conversation thinking, oh, we both have the same mixes. So naturally our lives are exactly the same. And then, (laughs) and then I discover like my hoodness, my, you know, like my growing up in Long Beach makes me a different kind of black person. And maybe maybe that is why I'm more accepted in blackness than even with a face like mine, than maybe someone like you who actually presents blacker than me, but. But it's a cult, it's, it's a cultural, cultural access aspect. that I don't have. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's a cult. And I can, I can code switch into, you know, I guess a more, I don't know, I guess, a, you know, more hood vernacular if yeah. I wanted to, you know, because I did have, I did grow up, especially when I was younger, as a kid, mm-hmm. with with friends. I grew up like the neighborhood that I lived in was aggressively suburban, mm-hmm. but <laughs> like like aggressively suburban um, in in both states that I lived in mm-hmm. as a kid, but um, not too far away from more urban areas. Mm-hmm. And so I had friends who were more urban and, and, and I kind of, you know, kind of picked up on the way they talk, you know what I'm saying? And so, so now that I'm older, I can kind of, you know, dip into it. And I think also a lot of like black vernacular has sort of made its way way into the mainstream anyway, you know what I mean? So, but it's not, again, like, like the way that I'm speaking now is typically how I would talk. Mm -hmm. Um, with the exception of, of course, I just said talk. So my, you know, my long island. (laughs) You dropped a few little nuggets throughout, like you said water and I was, I just started laughing in my head. (laughs) Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I could, you know, I could sit back and go, Ooh, child, you know, you know what I mean? And there's some things that I think, I'm not prone to belief in a lot of things, but, you know, like, you know, spirituality or any of that kind of stuff. But there are things that I just feel is so deep seated in our blood that we can't help some things pop out. You know, Mm. I I think I was telling you um, that, like, the first time I realized I coded as black to a white person was when they heard me say motherfucker. And like, if I'm just saying it right now in my code switch voice, it's just motherfucker. It's like, whatever. But in, in the heat of a moment, I suddenly sounded like Samuel L. Jackson to them. And, yeah. and it was like, oh, you are black, you know, and that's a white person reacting to me. Yeah. Mine Whereas, was like, no, <laughs> that's the one that I get. No. <laughs> People will be like, oh, she's black. Oh, she's black. I see it now. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. <laughs> <Just> like, uh-uh. <laughs> You know, I've had moments of where like I've had coworkers who have um, accepted it because they've seen my face or whatever they accept it. But it still takes a a beat and where they're like across the room and suddenly I've had someone go, oh, I see it. I see you, Charmaine. (laughs) And I'm like, what just happened? And it was them noticing my body and deciding that my body spoke to my blackness over like what interaction we had had face to face so far. Because Mm -hmm. in a professional setting, I code 
business casual, basically. <laughs> I guess that's what I'm going to call it, business casual. And um, and so unless we're on lunch break and I can start, you know, doing my thing, I guess, whatever, being more natural, she had to see me from across the way. And she was like, oh, yeah, you, you can't have cornbread. Like, you can't, <laughs> like, mm. that kind of stuff was became more obvious. And so I've had relationships like that. And it's tough because I don't often like this voice that I use because it doesn't feel natural. And yet it is naturally how I'm speaking now because I trained it. I trained hood accent out so hard unless I'm around hood people. Yeah. Well, Um, I mean, yeah. Paul Lawrence Dunbar, I think he said, you know, the mask becomes the true face, right? mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like you, you put, you put it on for so long that it just becomes who you are, you know? And I mean, like I'm a teacher, I'm talking all day Mm -hmm. and I used to teach online too. So I'd be on the phone. I'd be talking all day long. And Mm -hmm. I just kind of trained myself to be acceptable to the widest group of people and to really water down everything now to the point where this is, this is what it is. It It just is what it is. And I, you know, it doesn't bother me. I think because my, my face normally is going to announce who I am before my voice does. Um, I will say though, I, I learned that though from my, my mom who she has a great phone voice sounds nothing <laughs> like, <laughs> like what she looks like. And we, like we, you, me and my brother, we used to laugh. We used to make fun of her. Like she'd be screaming and yelling at us, you know, kids, cause we were doing something stupid and the phone would ring and she'd be, hello. <laughs> yes, this is she. <laughs> you know, and then she'd go back to screaming and yell at us. So, so, um, and I've been told a lot of times, like, especially as when I was a teenager, I'd answer the phone and people would say, oh, you, you know, you sound just like your mother. And I'd be like, oh, oh no, no. <laughs> I do? Oh, no, I don't want that at all. But it, it does become an advantage mm-hmm. when, you know, I have to do a phone job interview or, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it does, it does sometimes work in my favor at my job. Uh, this is a job I had years ago. And so we had some event where people were coming around and, Anyway, this woman walks up to me and she, you know, she said, what's your name? I didn't know you worked here. And uh, I said, my name is Mrs. Abercrombie. And she said, oh, you're Abercrombie? And I Mm. said, yes. And she said, I imagined you as a tall blonde woman. And I said, okay, well, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I know. Yeah, what are you going to do? You know, how how, how do you respond to that? But, you know, I, but I do get that often. Mm. You're my voice on the phone or either they see my name right now. And then when they see me in person, there's this, this very strong disconnect mm. um, between those two things. And that's just, I think that's, it's an unfortunate byproduct of our culture right now. Right. In my case, my name definitely announces you about to see a sister and then you see me. And if you're <laughs> white, you're like, huh, I'm confused now. But if you mm. see me and you're black, you're like, mm-hmm. You know, mm. you can see it in people's faces. If I walk into a job interview and it's a white interviewer, they're like, you're sharp. You're charming. You know, like you can mm. see it in their face of like almost relief mm. that this super qualified person with this, in their view, ghetto ass name mm. is actually palatable black. You know, basically like, mm. I, I, I think I might've told you, I've said it a number of times on the show too. Like I've had a boss who told me I was the best diversity higher because they could they could check the black box the asian box the gayish box you know the woman box and stuff like that like they with me 
they get all the diversity so they don't have to hire as many, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then as one more way of validating that they've hired a diversity hire, they at least have my name. Yeah. Pat themselves on the back for that one. It's right. like, bruh. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. no. Yeah. Uh, ridiculous. So no, it's, it's just, ridiculous. And it's, it's funny. It's cause me, you know, my brother, cause he still has my maiden name, which, you know, is German. And he, he called me cause he has his teaching license still. And he called me and he said, so here's the deal. Um, I got an interview at like a Jewish parochial school. In the oh, city. No. <laughs> and I said, are you going to go to the interview? He said, yeah, just so I could see their face. When I, show up. <laughs> I mean, there is a little bit of pleasure to it, but it's there also one of those bit. things of like, again, you know, that kind yeah, of thing. The, the grown worthy parts of it so far outweigh like the little perverse pleasure that I get from it. And I wouldn't get this perverse pleasure from it if, you know, people would just stop being ignorant yeah like if society wasn't trash I know every now and then if I hear okay as I'm coming around a corner I'm like you know it sounds like that little bit of validation for that little brief moment of just like I see you mixed girl type of thing yeah um but when it happens on the reverse side like I don't have a white equivalent Mm. do you have anything like this like I don't have a white equivalent to when a black person says hey little sis and they know it's me I don't have a white version of that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> again, this might just be a function of the way I grew up or whatever, but I, you know, that's happened to me so rarely, like so incredibly rarely. Mm. But there's definitely no white equivalent. Like the the <laughs> the the recognition again because I my phenotype is mostly black. You know, yeah. I have a wide nose, I have a wide mouth, I got big old eyes, I got a big old forehead. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just I, I wear my hair natural. There's no no white person has ever no person has ever been like, oh, she's white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? That's never happened to me. Right. And then the reverse of that though is at least again where I am, you know, I think black folk that have seen me haven't immediately registered me as mixed. Very few immediately registered me as mixed. I often get, oh, you're Dominican, right? Right, yeah. (laughs) No, 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 I'm not. Are you sure? Mm, Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) But there's also the thing I think also specific to living in the South, because I've lived in the South as well, is that if you are a mixed Black person and they have already established that you're not Latin in any way, shape, or form, then it's the memory kicks in, the like, down and deep in our DNA memory of like, oh, great, your face reminds me of slavery and what happened during slavery. Yes. And I try not to take that because I recognize that immediately. That's sort of like, ooh, Mm -hmm. let's take a step back from her because she's somehow dangerous to me. Mm -hmm. I try not to take that too personally. Yeah. Um, and I, I do find myself, what's interesting, I think I had this conversation with my brother too. It's like, I find myself doing this performative, like trying to get validation or trying to get approval mm-hmm. from black folk. I don't care what white folk think about me. Right, right, like, right. Yeah, I it's don't a- care. But I, I'm, I'm actively, constantly trying to get approval from black folk, mm-hmm. constantly. Um, 
I, that's probably something I should work out in therapy, <laughs> but it, it, to me, it's so, it's so important to me to have that. Right. And that's a common theme across any of us mixed black folks that have been on this show where I have yet, with the exception of that, that Twitter exchange that I told you about, with the exception of that one exchange, I have not had an exchange with a mixed black person who was just like, I don't need black validation. I just haven't met that mixed black kid yet. Mm. Like I've only met the ones like us that are just like, see me and accept my blackness and understand that, yeah, like I'm mixed, but like, like in my case, I'm black as hell. It's really hurts when I'm not seen by black people, but because of the way mm. I grew up, the cultural, the cultural aspects, the the food aspects, the the vernacular, the brown people I grew up around, you know, the faces that I grew up around, like things like that. So yeah. for me, I think I and again, I don't want to keep making that mistake that I was making early on in militantly mix of just assuming that all mixed black folks feel this way. But like, I have yet to find, and maybe that's also the person who seeks out something like militantly mix is mm. someone that wants that connection and validation. And yeah, like I go through. There have been times I try not to, but there have been times when I perform blackness for that acceptance, and it oh gosh, it just like. You know, it's kind of like that crying game shower afterwards, like you, you, you did it, you did the thing, but then afterwards you had to take that shower to like clean yourself off and cry about what you did. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that kind of thing happens. If I, if I perform blackness a little too much, mm. which is so hard to distinguish yeah. because naturally I will behave certain ways if I'm right. around my folks, but if I'm around folks that code similar to the folks I grew up around, but don't know me they might get more of a performative Charmaine or at least maybe more so in the past. And then I have to sit there and be like, I think I overdid it with blah, blah, blah. You know, it happens. It has happened. It sucks. Mm -hmm. It sucks. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, no, I get that. I get that. I I guess I, I misspoke. I I, I don't want it to sound like, you know, I, I get around black folk and I, you know, all of a sudden I try to, you know, act like meanie or whatever, you know, right, right. I, that's, that's not necessarily what I mean, but I, I do think I just like, I just come off like extraordinarily earnest, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you know, and, and, and that could be the reason why black folk were like, we don't really need to hang out with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, sometimes it's little, an excite, you're just you're excited. Too excited. <laughs> yeah. Like you know? it sucks, but like, that's a real thing. And I think, I mean, I, I it's a real thing. Like we yeah. have that feeling sometimes. No, it's true because, you know, I have a very dear friend and she's biracial black and she, but she had a similar experience to yours. Like she grew up in Detroit. She has, you know, mm-hmm. um, and she just has more access to, to like her, her black extended family and everything. Mm-hmm. And she said to me one time, she won't deny it either. If she heard this. She said to me, Lorley, you're, you're the whitest friend I have. Oh no. <laughs> and I was like, Okay. <laughs> Such a crushing thing for a friend to say. <laughs> I was like, you, you really? <laughs> She's got white friends and everything. And I was like, oh, oh okay. no. <laughs> but, Dang, how you recover from something like that? You don't. And it's fine. I think I've just, I've gotten, now, you know, listen, I'm in my 30s now. And I've just, I've, I'm at the age where, and I, this is another reason why I started listening to Militantly Mixed, especially. I've just really started leaning into it, right? Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, I'm not one or the other. I'm both and I'm me, Mm -hmm. and that's okay. And what I have found, I think I told you this, is what I have found is when I have had students, because I've been teaching for 10 years, 
when I've had students who are by specifically biracial, and mm-hmm. again, it's a function of our area, they are drawn to that energy specifically. Mm-hmm. They and and they're so much younger. Their experience is so different than mine. I mean, I was talking to one before you know everything shut down, um, and he said to me because I asked him specifically, "What what is it like? You know, Gen Z. What is it like?" you know, for you all, because for me, I wasn't accepted, you know, I'm not black enough for black folk. I'm not white enough for white folk. I didn't fit any anywhere. And so Mm -hmm. I had to kind of carve my own path. Is it the same for you? And he said to me, no, he said, you know, these kids around here, they don't care. They don't care. But he said, I care. I'm, I'm the one who's kind of messed up about it. Mm. Um, and that makes me, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he basically said in that kind of, does things for me in my relationships with other people, but they don't see me as that or they do. And then they move on from it, which is, right. was not ever my experience and still isn't my experience. Right. Part. I mean, even at 42, I still have relationships with people my age or older that it, it is much a part of their conversation to me as it is my conversation about in general, because obviously I talk about mixed race all the time. I have a damn show about it but they come at me as often about my mixedness Mm. and, but the younger generation, I'm still wondering, like, I mean, I still have, I've had a couple of 20 somethings on the show where they, depending on where they've lived, it's been a thing, you know, like Mm. if they're in rural Ohio, right. They're, they're going to stand out if they're in Los Angeles, dime a dozen, you know, like, so it's not that big of a deal where, where they're at. Like in my case, I grew up, I wasn't the only mixed girl. I was a very obvious mixed girl though. Mm. So like if someone was into mixedness, I was the person they paid attention to, you know, things like that. Um, And, and so I always had an awareness of it at a younger age that I think like the generation now may not have to. Yeah. And no, and I, I, no, I, I see for me, yeah, it's the same. I was kind of always like the only Mm -hmm. um, in a very weird way so it was this constant sort of tightrope walk for me of like, okay, what, what, also this sort of weird of like, is it okay for me to say that I'm even mixed? And is, am I wading into like a weird political argument just saying that? Like, mm. you know, I've, I tried for a few years just not addressing it at all with people. Like when I was in college, you know, everybody goes to college to kind of reinvent themselves. And so when I started college, I was like, I'm just not going to address it. I'm just Mm -hmm. not going to say anything about it. It's college. It'll be more diverse. Of course it wasn't. And (laughs) you know, what ended up happening is so because it doesn't come up in conversation. So now it's the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. And then instead of my peers just asking because they don't, it's not really politically correct to ask my professors are calling me out and cause I went, you know, I was in a lot of like literature classes and stuff. So they're like, well, let's, let's ask you about, you know, the slave perspective. It's like, God damn, no, the slave perspective because right. I wasn't a slave. Right. Um, like we're just all carrying around like, Oh yes, actually I, ha- I have it all here for you. Yeah. And I mean, I had a, yeah, I had a, I had a really great professor and I liked him a lot, but he, he lesson, um, about, uh, um, strange fruit and Billie Holiday. And I was like, Oh, I know this song. And he was like, well, tell us all about it. And I was like, Oh, bro, 
no, yeah. <laughs> that's what you're saying you. Yeah. I don't need to teach the class about strange fruit and billy. And, but see, this is the, I don't know if you've had this experience when you get called out like that, but you actually do know the answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, I know all about it. First of all, I know that it was a poem written by a Jewish man mm-hmm. and then Billie Holiday sung it and she would end all of her shows without a curtain call and all this other stuff. I knew all of that. And I sat back at 18 and was like, nope. Good. See, I think my younger time, I would sit there and be like, okay, I guess I got to educate. And I would just do it where now I pick and choose the moments, but I didn't think to pick and choose back then. Yeah. So well, that's awesome that you we did. had the options. Well, I mean, I think by then I was just so fed up with it. You know, I went to a private college. It was a lot of very wealthy, I mean, very wealthy, mm-hmm. very white, white, very white students. And it's not that I didn't get along with them. I absolutely did. But I did feel very much like a fish out of water all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that him calling me out, it just felt like it was just like enough. I just had enough enough of constantly feeling like that, of constantly feeling like I was on display, like constantly feeling like, you know, I'm I'm this beacon. It's like, I think people that know me because I'm outgoing, they think that I like crave that kind of attention. Mm. Um, you know, and I did theater in high school too, but I don't like, if you I'm might not, crave like, regular ass attention, not necessarily yeah. like be the token attention. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, like I love being on stage and acting and I, I love, you know, I love singing and stuff like that. But like, if I'm not doing that specifically, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want it. Right. Yeah. Why <laughs> should you? And why should you have to carry that burden? And I think that's another thing that is a common thread between all of us mixed folks is that they may ask us questions that they wouldn't ask a person, a monoracial person of color, of whatever fill in the blank of color they are, because they're like, oh, you're you're not really all the way, but you know enough, you know, you should know enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about this before. It's like, you know, so what, I think the like the underlying question here that we're t- we're really answering is like what is what is what level of responsibility do I have mm-hmm. to educate people? Mm-hmm. And there is a part of me that wants to be like none, none. yeah, none. You know, there <laughs> right. is a part of me that's like freaking Google it, like yeah. and Google get it is on my free face. as hell. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, you know, if we really want to, if we really want to get into it, I think being according to some uh, white folk mm-hmm. being more being more approachable to yeah. person of color is a level it's a level of privilege that I have to use responsibly yeah right? I agree with that so if, if I'm approached that way and not and not in a way some you know how some people will approach you asking you a question that they don't want to answer to they want to argue with you yeah Right. Right. So it's I don't engage in that type of those types of things. Yeah. Right. But if, you know, but if I really am approached with humility, if I'm approached with curiosity, that's, you know, beyond having a fight, then I do feel like that's how I can use whatever you want to call it, whatever light skin privilege I have that I can mm-hmm. use it for the good. Does that right. make sense? hundred you know, percent. Yeah. You know, I mean, we talk about that a lot. It's one of those things. It's like, weigh the moment, make sure you're in safety. If you're going to choose that moment to educate, you know, if yeah. you know, it's going to fall on deaf ears, then fucking, all right. I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to waste yeah. my time. Yeah. You um, have to say goodbye at those it, moments. Cause it's just, 
And it like, and you don't need that strain on your body. Like I, right. I, I talk about weathering a lot and it's a concept and I, I wish I remember the doctor's name. I'm going to have to go back and, and look it up. But there is a doctor that is studying weathering, which is a racial weathering, which is like, as we deal with racism or as we deal with microaggressions, which I, I hate that word too, are like, it wears on our bodies. It, it does start to have an impact on us. You know, it fatigues us. Like we, we take the emotional thing and we make it physical and it starts to, to kind of eat away Ooh. at us. So if it's going to be a weathering situation, then yes, absolutely. I'm backing off and I'm going to tell you, here's a few sources where you can educate yourself mm. on it, but I'm not going to do that free letter labor for you. If you do want to pay me for it though, maybe we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, but if and, it's a regular ass you know, conversation, that's a different, totally different. Yeah. You know, and I, cause like, you know, I have like my two closest friends, they're both white. They, they, I, there was genuine like fear. We were having drinks and we ended up on, you know, some, some topic and there was just genuine fear on both of their parts to even broach the subject, to even mm-hmm. ask me. And we've known each other for a long time. And you know, my one friend, finally, she did kind of get around to asking, but it was with all these qualifiers and all these caveats. And I finally was like, girl, listen, I know that you're not coming at me from a place of malice. Like you genuinely want to know, and I'm here Mm -hmm. and I have no problem answering your question because I know that's what you want to know with the caveat that like, this is my experience. This is what I think. I don't speak for every person of color. I definitely don't speak for all women. I definitely, you know right. what I'm saying? Right. He was like, I understand that, but I just, I don't know what I don't know was her, was her response with people like that. And I've had people like that in professional environments too, mm-hmm. where they go kind of in hushed tones, you know, I've always wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> you did that so good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And so for me, that, that makes me laugh. Maybe it shouldn't, but it makes me laugh. And I do feel for that kind of person. I do. I do feel for that kind of person. Now the person who's going to ask me in such a way that they want to either fight with me or have me co-sign their totally out-of-pocket beliefs. Right. I shut Uh that down immediately. Yeah. I shut that down immediately. But you know, for, for, you know, for Karen, who's in the next cubicle, who really wants to know you know, and, and a lot of times it comes from, you know, Trixie, whose daughter now has a black boyfriend. Right. And they got kids. And it's not even, it's, it's just a, hey, listen, I've never experienced this before, but you wouldn't mind. And I go, yeah, girl, I don't mind. It's fine. Let me help you. Let me right. help you. Let me educate you so that, you know, your little mixed grandbaby or your little mixed niece or, you know, whatever, they, they grow up in a safe environment. Right. That's, that's another part too, where I feel like if there's a family element and I'm like, oh, these poor little mixed kids aren't going to have, you know, um, I have been that mixed friend for a white family who adopted a mixed person, you know, things like that. I've been that friend before. When I see a mixed child in need or a young person that I know is not going to have what what they need, mm. I'm that's my tribe. That, that's kind of like my first tribe now that I'm older. But if I see yeah. mixed people or kids or parents of mixed kids and things like that, I definitely want to jump in on that one first because you know, yeah, Google's free as hell, but do they know where to Google? Like, you know, do they know what they're going to find? And I think that's, that's what it comes down to. It's like, they just don't know what they don't know. And I think again, with this sort of new generation of like all these mixed kids 
being born, you know, there are a lot of mixed kids, a whole lot of mixed kids that are much younger than I am. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when their parents, when their grandparents, when they see me in the grocery store now, they do look at me as like a, that's what she's going to look like when she gets older. Right. That's what she could be. Right. And it's, it's a weirdly weighty feeling of responsibility. You know what I'm saying? Um, and the other thing is, and, you know, as a teacher, one of the things that, you know, is floats around with, in teacher Pinterest mm-hmm. is, you know, be, is be, be the person for the students that you needed at that age. And I think for 100%. me, right. So for me with like younger mixed kids, it's like, look, you know, you're more than being mixed. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a big part of your identity. And I think it announces itself when you come in the room mm-hmm. before you do, but you know, you're more than that. And the second thing is, you're beautiful. I didn't really get that from oh, really? either side. No, never. I never got that. I got the, um, not beautiful. <laughs> she's mm. uppity because she's light skinned. The other thing is I, I, I'm not quite light skinned enough. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I'm not, I'm not Zoe Kravitz. <laughs> right. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So I still, to me, I still look black. And I think that there's, so there's that weird fetishization of mm-hmm. light skinnedness and mixedness, but also the, but she's not a pretty mixed girl because she looks black. Is it, you know, it's like that weird. I, I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so for me, every time I see like any mixed, especially mixed child, like if the one thing that I say to them in a non, um, fetishizing way is mm-hmm. that they are, they are beautiful the way that they are. Right. You know, I, you know, cause I, I never got that. I know we could go on forever and ever, and ever, and ever, ever, <laughs> but uh, before we start to, I guess, get on out of here, since yeah. since we have um, been chatting for a while, you know, I do like, to, I don't, well, I actually don't know if you know, I don't know where you are if I've started to question? ask the question. No, it's not the food question. Okay. Um, I, about maybe seven, eight months into the show, maybe a year, I don't quite remember. I started to ask the question, what do you love most about being mixed? Oh. Are you there yet? Do you I hear am that there. I am there. No, it's your turn. Oh God. Okay. Um, what do I love most about being mixed? I think, mm, this is such a hard question to answer because I hadn't thought about it. Um, I heard you ask it and every time I go, God, what would I say? Now I have to think about it. Um, <laughs> I love this question. I, I think what I have grown to love the most about being mixed mm. is that, um, my perspective on the world is so different and I think more multifaceted. I have more empathy and more compassion than a lot of the people that I just meet on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And so my relationships are deeper, if if that makes any sense. Um, And I think that's a lot, that's, that is a function of just me having always kind of felt on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my friendships and my relationships, I like everybody to be in the pool, you know, right. <laughs> like everybody to feel seen because right. I didn't get that. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's, then that has a lot to do with being, mixed. I like that idea of like wanting to gather up everybody. Yeah. Every, everybody be in the pool. I like yeah. everybody having fun at the same time, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think that's absolutely yeah. a militantly mixed way of thinking. It's just it like, yeah. if we cry, to we cry community. together. Yeah. yeah. If yeah. we lift each other up, we all yeah. go up, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's awesome. Rising tide uh, lifts all boats kind of thing. All, that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, 
I'm so appreciative. <laughs> so I had a little moment. Um, I'm so appreciative that you, you know, took that jump, I guess, to jump on the group chat, not knowing what that was going to be and being like, oh, shit, there's only two people. It's like that thing <laughs> where you walk into, you like go into a store and you're the only person. You're like, fuck, now I got to buy some. No, I got to um, buy something. <laughs> I can't just be looking. I was like, damn, everything's over $5. <laughs> um, no, I know it's like that, too. I've, I've done it several times jumping into an IG live and I'm like, oh, damn, I'm the only two people yeah. I can't. But I do, I appreciate that you took that jump and that you stuck it out too, that you, uh, um, that you, because like, you could have been like, oh, she don't know me yet. Boop, you know, and you could have been. I was kind of like, I listened, I almost did. And then you called me out by my whole name and I was like, dang, I can't go nowhere. I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> but in doing that, in, in calling your whole government name out, I ended up adding to my cousin's circle. So I appreciate Yay. you for that. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, The One. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantly mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.